what never worked out on paper in our mind was how we generate cash flow off the land. Like we, we tried the spreadsheets and how are we going to do this? And our business plan was like business, how many thousands of pigs yeah, we needed we need to 600 raise pigs on, on eight, eight acres. acres. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Daniel and Fawn Shear, the founders of Seasons Yield Farm. Daniel, like his father before him, served in the military after graduating from college. During his first deployment to Afghanistan, his wife Fawn mailed him a book by Chad Robertson titled Tartine. This book was a book of sourdough bread baking and recipes, but also a compelling story of one couple's journey building a business around their passion for bread. Daniel had always enjoyed baking, so after a second deployment and long stretches of separation, Daniel and Fawn began seriously thinking about what it would look like to work together as a family on a farm in a home-based food service business. And it was this dream that ultimately led these entrepreneurs to start the budding empire that is now Seasons Yield Farm. Tune in to hear the enchanting story of how Daniel and Fawn started selling meat and veggies, then became a CSA, and ultimately chose to go all in on the bread and hospitality business. And yes, their gorgeous top-rated Airbnb sits right above their bespoke bakery and cafe. Without further ado, get ready to meet Daniel and Fawn Shear. All right, Daniel and Fawn. Welcome. How are you guys doing today? You excited about this chat? Yeah, doing great. It's a nice break in the bread schedule. Nice break in the bread schedule, yeah. You know, is, is this your first podcast interview? Mm-hmm. Okay, first, first time ever. on the pod. Okay. Do you guys listen to podcasts a little bit here and Big there? Big Lex Friedman and Joe Rogan. Oh, good ones. And Steve Rinella, meat eater, podcaster. I should not have asked uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I, am, uh, I am not a host like them, but... Um, <laughs> But no, I'm excited to, to sit down with you guys and, and really dive into an exciting conversation about this space that you all have cultivated um, and that we, I'm, you know, and my wife have been fortunate enough to, to partake in over the last couple of days. But I want to start by you just taking a couple of minutes to describe where we are, you know, right now. So start by where we are geographically speaking and then talk to us a little bit about kind of where we're actually recording this conversation from. Okay. Geographically, we are in southwestern Virginia in a little town called Rafine, which is right off the I-81 north-south corridor. And we're in what we call the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. It's a fertile uh, agricultural-based community. And we're also near two college campuses of Virginia Military Institute and uh, Washington and Lee University in Lexington, which is 15 minutes away. Uh, as far as our property, we sit on eight acres. It's just a little homestead farmette, I think would qualify. Um, <laughs> and we will get into it in a little bit, but we built a bakery 
and an Airbnb on our property. And that is where we're sitting is right tucked into the corner of the bakery um, right now. So bread is being proofed and kneaded and uh, as we speak. And coffee's being sipped. And coffee's being sipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it smells incredible. I wish we could like share smells with you all uh, over mm-hmm. over audio, um, but we can't. Um, but it smells incredible, and the coffee is delicious. And yeah, we're in this really cool space. Um, what what's the rough square footage of of the bakery? Uh, it's thirty feet by forty feet. Okay, thirty feet downstairs. by forty feet. Okay, and there's uh, some like artisan like uh, uh, earrings and other like. Uh, goods from uh local uh local makers that folks can sort of like buy while they're visiting Mm -hmm. and uh it just it it does sort of like feel like this very kind of special place that's filled with you know for lack of a better term like local art like local Mm -hmm. handmade uh goods which is which is incredible Mm -hmm. um so you know gabby my wife and i have stayed in over 50 airbnbs over the last year and by now we've learned that every time we stay on a farm, we're going to get so much more than, you know, a, a nice place to stay, a nice uh, pillow to rest our head on. We're going to get like a real experience. And Seasons Yield Farm has been uh, no exception to that. Um, you know, from the minute we turned into Ural's gravel driveway and saw the pigs and sheep on the hillside uh, and then the collection of fire pits to our right, we knew that there was just something really special about this place. So I'm curious, like, how did you all get here? Uh, How did this eight acre roughly farm in the Shenandoah Valley become home? I feel like it sounds very trite to say, but this is truly our dream come true. And I think it's a, a bit of a long time coming and we didn't even know this was the dream. You know, Mm -hmm. we had some pieces of it that, we were excited about, but what we're living right now, we're really grateful for, and it, it wasn't part of our master plan. We're just really grateful that this is how it turned out, but it all kind of the spark that lit the uh, fire in what we're living now started in Afghanistan in hmm. 2012 uh, amidst a long deployment with the army, and I had left Vaughn and Tirza, who was one at the time, and it was in Afghanistan. Just kind of a an exciting time professionally, but personally, is a pretty low time. Hmm. And I returned from that deployment and was very. I think we were both very excited about what we can do to maximize our time together versus spending it apart. And a lot of those um, excitements were were found in farming in a more agrarian lifestyle that. Uh, wasn't necessarily cookie cutter suburbia, but was kind of uniquely crafted out of the out of the soil, you know. Hmm. And so we we after that deployment, we moved immediately to a double wide trailer on three acres in Washington State, and did he brought home down? the yeah. pigs and goats in the back of the, <laughs> our, the back Subaru of our Subaru Outback, outback. <laughs> and we just kind of really did a total one eighty from kind of our lifestyle up to that point, and got very excited about where our food was coming from and living our life and raising our children in a, in a more um, purposeful way together because hmm. you know? we had experienced mm-hmm. the polar opposite of that in the separation of deployment. And so that was really the, the catalyst. The deployment was really the catalyst that has propelled us on this journey that has led us here. But I spent a bit more time in the military as we figured out how we could make a living 
off the land, out of the military. And um, do you want to speak to getting out of the military and starting the, the meat and veg? Sure. Well, we just, we thought, well, we'll be meat and vegetable farmers and we'll just make ends meet. And um, so we lived with Daniel's parents for a little bit during that transition out of the army. Daniel was a firefighter for a little bit and we tried out farming at his parents' house. And then we found this farm and we did a CSA for two years for Mm. 20 families. And um, we did the the first few seasons and then I was pregnant. Daniel had to be gone for nine weeks because he was still in the National Guard. And um, I just thought, I don't like weeding and I don't want to be out there <laughs> picking vegetables by myself. So, um, we kind of felt like, well, that's, that's closed door for the vegetables. And Daniel had kind of been baking bread on the side for our CSA customers. And, um, the demand for bread just started to grow. And we thought, well, that's the way the business is going. People want bread more than beets, huh. you know? So, um, yeah. So, so, uh, going back just a little bit. So you guys started the farm in Washington originally, Washington State, correct? Yeah, yeah. calling it a farm is a bit okay. uh, <laughs> glorified. <laughs> yes. you, but you brought some, in, you had pigs, you said, and, and uh-huh. some goats uh, in, in Washington State. We didn't travel with them. We, didn't travel we with left them. Okay. them there. Yeah, you but, know, found... Butchered them or sold them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but was, the, was the intention originally to, like, build the farm there? No. Okay. I th- we wanted to maximize our time in Washington with that land out there, yeah. uh, maximize the the time with the lifestyle versus, hey, let's start something big and let's carry it on. Right. Got it. And just kind of like learning skills. Yeah. You know, just, we had no idea what we were doing. So it was like, okay, let's just test it out. Yeah. yeah. Test really it out. Just dabbling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then when you moved to your parents, you did so, do they live in the area? So, mm-hmm. the, so that was here in, in Rafine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys moved in. And then I, I'm just curious, Daniel, you, you mentioned, right? Like, one of the big impetuses behind this, really the uh, the impetus, was to spend more time together as a family, mm-hmm. to uh, be able to be a present, you know, father and and husband. But you know, how did you guys come to turn like? walk us through sort of the decision to, to become farmers, right? Cause it is, you guys make it sound like, yeah, well we wanted to spend more time together. So we decided to start a farm. Like what happened between the thought of how do we spend more time together? And like, let's start season's yield farm. Like walk us through that story a little bit. Well, I feel like you got back from deployment and then somebody recommended us to us the, the show. Hugh Friendly Winningstall. River Cottage. River Cottage. Okay. And so he like came on from deployment and we would just spend all of our time, like he was off for a little bit, you know, and we just sat there watching that, that show and we're like, we could do this. This looks so beautiful and wonderful. Let's do it. And so then, then we just kept getting literature, Joel Salatin's books, and we just kept voraciously reading all these things and learning. And then we are more, both of us, like, let's just jump in and figure it out. Yeah. Um, so we just kept reading. And then we we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just go for it. So let's do it. And so how did you guys come t- to acquire this property? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just going back real quick. Yeah. What never worked out on paper in our mind was how we generate cash flow off the land. Like we, we tried the spreadsheets and yeah. how are we going to do this? And our business plan was like business, how many thousands of pigs yeah, we needed to, to raise pigs on, on eight, eight acres. acres you know? Yeah. And that just wasn't working. But, um, 
Yeah, what was your question? Just uh, how did you guys come to acquire mm. this land in particular? So you were living with your parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a cool story. And if you've ever lived with your family for any period of time, you realize that that period of time is better, shorter than longer. <laughs> yeah. And so I, we were, we were, we had a, yeah, several children of my parents, and they were very gracious. And mm-hmm. Dad was letting us farm his land. We were doing maple syrup at his property. We're trying to make the numbers work on the farm. And I had I continued my off-farm work as a firefighter and then as an instructor at VMI. And I was driving to D.C., which is three hours from us, to take vegetables like to some people from our his old church that we knew that like, oh will you buy our vegetables? <laughs> will you buy our chicken? Like, please, somebody buy us. So I would drive there wow. every two weeks maybe just to get some cash flow. Yeah. Just to prove to ourselves that well, we, we can, can do it. Yeah. 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 And by the time we paid for gas money, it was, it was, it was like $15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, no, but it's a cool story. So we were kind of at the point with my parents where we had had a little nest egg from the army and we we loved every bit of the, the farming that we had dabbled in. And so we we're looking in the surrounding area for a place and um, it's just a cool happening but my dad was getting knee surgery in charlottesville which is an hour away and his nurse was from rafine uh and they were wanted to move back to chicago wow. and so he came back and told us this and so uh we just knocked on the door of our property now and and said we would really like to buy this place are you interested in selling wow. and they said we'll be out of here in two months. And, wow. Uh, so that's insane. Mm-hmm. We did the piece of property really, it was inspiring to us. And again, just to reiterate, nothing of what we have now was in our mind then. It was yeah. like, well, that's a really rich pasture for some uh, cattle. We can raise the, the chickens and turkeys on the flat piece of property over there. We have springs all over the place with the Creek running through. So we have water, you know, this, uh, we were still in this, we're going to farm. Yeah. And we were we were trying to make our um, we were trying to make our profession yeah. in farming fit our vision instead of hmm. kind of letting the vision guide yeah. the path. And so I I think we fought that a little bit with the mm-hmm. CSA and trying to do more cattle and then land could support and things like this. Just fighting to we can farm, we can do this, and it just that wasn't the answer yeah and um and that's coming back full circle to where fawn's talking about is um the bread is what really captivated our our small customer base and my dad and i had built a wood-fired oven uh, out of interest not out of hey let's make this the centerpiece of our business Mm -hmm. and that has since been you know the the means that we bake all our bread loaves um but that was the transition really it was I came back from that military training, the weeds in the garden were out of control and we're like, we, this isn't sustainable for us as a yeah. profession. Like yeah. it kind of, it really hit us then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really shifted gears, um, to the, the bread offerings, uh, the bread and pastries and coffee. And, uh, we were baking out of the house at the time I would stay up all night and bake and then go to work at VMI, come back and we'd host what we call bread day. Um, this is where the bread day originated um, on Saturdays and we would fit them into our schedule when we could. Mm-hmm. And um, we had very humble beginnings mm. of, you know, 10 or 12 loaves of bread, some carrots from the garden and maybe a dozen pastries. And 
uh, 10 or 12 customers at the very beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so yeah. back up just a little bit here okay. because, okay, I, we're clearly sitting in a bakery. It smells, as we've already mentioned, uh, delicious. I got to watch you prepare some loaves last night, which was just absolutely incredible. But like, I, I think we skipped over the part of, you know, how did you learn how to bake bread? Like who, like you, you gave a loaf to a neighbor or two, mm-hmm. they raved about it. And you basically said, okay, enough with the sheep, enough with the pigs. Let's go all in on bread. Like, how did you learn to bake? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I'm <laughs> very much still learning how to bake. That's one of the reasons I love it. But uh, it had been a hobby for me for uh, a while since I was young. I enjoyed being in the kitchen, baking. And as we talked a little bit last night, it offered a cool balancing act to my job in the military um, to come home and be able to work with my hands, see results, and um, do something life-giving with my hands, you know, uh, vice, um, what I was doing, you know, in the military. Sure. So it offered, um, a, yeah, a really cool pursuit outside of the, that was my chief hobby outside of, uh, the army, I would say at the time for what time we had available. That's what I enjoyed doing. And so that I had always had that as a hobby and, um, always enjoyed dabbling, but I've really, I've, have learned as we have gone along and our customers have been very gracious with that learning process. Mm-hmm. But we started out with just offering one loaf of bread, like one I could nail yeah. at least 90% of the time. And it was really good. That was our Oakland, just our rustic sourdough. And then as our confidence grew and kind of had inspiration for different recipes, we would you know, try something out on the customers and see if it stuck. Um, and we have definitely done what Fawn talked about is less research, more doing and trial and error. And I can't say enough about, we talked about it last night, but the customers have been mm-hmm. extremely gracious and supportive and mm-hmm. they've bought in. Yeah. And so if the bread's a little, you know, underproofed one week, you know, they, they come back the next. <laughs> and so we're very indebted to them, but I've, I've learned um, baking, baking one or two loaves in the kitchen is very much different than baking, you know, 400 loaves and a thousand pastries. You know, there's just different logistics, yeah. um, that you have to account for. And so that's, thankfully we've grown, um, over the last five years at a rate at which my learning has uh, been able to, uh, adjust and yeah. adapt to, yeah. to the growth, you know, vice, you know, starting out at a, at a, you know, commercial scale right at the beginning. So that's really big. The organic, slow um, growth has really helped me as a baker. Yeah, if that makes sense. No, that makes it. That makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, what's what's so beautiful, I think, about what you guys are saying is, you know, in, in many ways, you you were part. You decided to go all in, right? You said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try to figure this out. We're going to start with you know uh, meat and veggies. 
okay, this doesn't work. Let's pivot. Uh, we're going to, you know, start baking bread. Okay. We don't really know what we've only ever baked for a hobby. We're baking out of our kitchen. Mm-hmm. People start liking it. Okay. Maybe we need to pivot to spread. And what's really neat about, um, I think that the posture that you both had throughout this entire, uh, journey was this, this willingness to, to really like adapt based off of like, you know, what was happening, what people were asking for, like what the spirit in the room was, was mm-hmm. kind of commanding. Um, which is, which is, you know, I think really just a testament to any good entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Like that understands that, okay, your sort of like, you know, big plan is probably not going to go according to, you know, uh, your plan. It's not going to go in the way that you think. And what's most important for any good entrepreneur is their ability to pivot, right? Their, mm-hmm. their ability to sort of like adapt based off of what their customers are telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to walk, I want you guys to walk mm-hmm. us through like bread day. Cause that's, that's like the event, right? Like that's mm-hmm. where right now most of your sales are happening and it's a it happens twice a month if i understand correctly mm-hmm. but just tell us what is bread day who comes to bread day what goes into making bread day possible and uh, anything else you might want to share about this event mm-hmm. yeah bread day is our twice a month big bread sales here at the farms from 10 to 2 on every other saturday um, and some of those saturdays we have a farmers market as well um, here on site with a variety of vendors. But um, the bread day originated from my limited uh, baking schedule due to the firefighter life that we led for two years. It, we were just doing bread days as much as we could. And bread day simply means customer coming to pick up their, their bread. bread. <laughs> and uh, that had just stuck, that simple little term. But it, it does describe what goes on on Saturdays. So um, right now, we we generate most of our uh, bread sales through pre-orders. So folks that are going to come pick up on bread day, pre-order their bread between Tuesday and Friday of the week prior. And then we'll also bake um, a good bit of excess on top of okay. the pre-ordered breads. Um, so the, the college student from WNL can come grab a pastry and a latte. Um so that's what bread day is. It's it's our it's our one sales day. Now going into that, the the prep for that lasts four or five days in in the days leading up, and that's where the bulk of our labor is for the for the business is those those two weeks yeah. out of out of the month. Um, and one thing just about the the community aspect, I think I think the bread's the bread's pretty good. I I enjoy it. We enjoy it. We've had good feedback, but I think what brings people back uh, more so, if not just as much as the bread, is the the community feeling hmm. of bread day. So um, it's rare that you'll have someone just come grab their bread and jump in their car and get back out. It's a yeah. we what we have wanted to create and foster is a, a space to to gather, to sit, to talk with your neighbor, um, to enjoy the outside. We enjoy our our little postage stamp property here. Um, so creating an environment where people, uh, experience community and that sounds super trite, uh, but that's what we're trying to do. And I think that's what is generating interest from customers as much as the, the product. Yeah. I would say, would you, would mm-hmm. you say, say, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's bread that's day. Bread day. And, uh, our vision, our, I should say our mission is just to nourish the community with the the best product that we can provide. And um, I think part and parcel to that product being a 
loaf of bread is a you know the smile and the handshake and the greeting you'll get you yeah know, when you come here and that's what we're trying to propagate as much as we are killer bread no no and in the way that you guys have designed the property i think is very conducive to that right with the tables the uh outdoor you know fire pits it, it does feel even sort of like when you walk into the bakery the big open space that leads up to the coffee bars is really conducive to to that sort of community feel mm. Um, so I, I want to talk about the Bread Barn Airbnb, which is where my wife Gabby and I are staying right now. And, um, you know, Fawn, I, I'd love for you to just kind of tell us the story behind this place. First and foremost, like you guys, again, go from farming meats and veggies to baking bread. And now you're sort of also in the hospitality business. So like, <laughs> how, how does that all sort of fit together? And what is the story behind creating the space that exists above the bakery mm -hmm. into a short-term rental. Mm -hmm. Can you start with the baking out of the house? Maybe? Sure. Yeah. Well, so, um, back when the, when, you know, we started doing the breads, as he said, he used our house. And so we dedicated one whole room. We don't have that big of a house, you know, it's half of our <laughs> downstairs <laughs> to his baking. And so it was flour everywhere. We were baking the pastries in our oven. And so he would go to work and I would just be baking croissants all day long, you know, trying to homeschool kids running everywhere. It was just like, okay, <laughs> this is not working. Um, and so we thought, well, let's, build a space. Let's build you a bakery, a place where, Oh, and also then we started. So we did sell bread in our garage and then we brought it into our house for the winter. So people were coming into our living room, our dining room to pick up their bread and yeah. the line would be, you know, out our house. <laughs> um, and so we thought this is, this is not sustainable. So let's build a bakery. And then I've always had a dream of had it, having an Airbnb. So, um, just welcoming people, serving them. So, um, we thought, well, let's, let's try and put it in up top. And so his parents have kind of the exact same structure as this bread barn on their property. Huh. And so we were like, well, we could use that and turn the upstairs into a rental space. Wow. That's awesome. Just to jump in here real quick. It, the, I was skeptical of the standalone bakery i just didn't have the same vision that huh. phone had i thought i keep baking out of the house it'll be cheaper in the long run and <laughs> we can upscale a little bit i can't survive this any longer but the fawn's idea of the airbnb offered a utility to sit to the space so yeah. i was skeptical of just the bakery but hey here's a profit generating yeah. upstairs that hey if the bakery flounders you know we still have an income that's mm -hmm. helping pay for the building and so that really we didn't know how the Airbnb would rent, but it thought if we're building the structure, let's throw a little bit extra up top. Yeah. Um, and that a utilitarian building really made a lot of sense to me, but it was all Fawn's idea. I've been the skeptic for, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that Gabby and I noticed when we first walked into this space was just how many different options for like lighting the mm -hmm. space up mm -hmm. that there were. And, you know, you guys have these like really cool uh, sconces. You've got this like woven basket chandelier above the dining room table. And there's some really cool mood lighting in other places of the house. And, um, you know, we're both real suckers for like good ambiance. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we just want to know, like, how did you decide to light the space? I mean, there's also mm. tons of windows and it's a very like just light and like airy space. But 
how did you think about the light fixtures and mm-hmm. um, yeah, how did you just, de- decide what to include and what not to include. Sure. Um, I'm definitely an ambiance person as well too. So, you know, in our house, I'm always reorienting the furniture, moving it around or trying to make it more cozy, more beautiful. Um, so that space, I just thought, um, you know, the more light we can have, uh, and looking at Pinterest all the time, trying to find light fixtures and whatnot, trying to create that cozy feel, modern boho farmhouse. That's what I was trying to go for. So, um, yeah, I think I was just, just really enjoyed looking at Pinterest and trying to make it come to life. So, so you, you guys did the work yourself. Like you guys figured out how to design it, how to, you know, how to decorate it. That was, that was mm-hmm. all you guys. Wow. Yeah. Well for the design part, Daniel, yes, we didn't know what we were doing. And Daniel, all he told me was like, we just need plumbing in one area of the house. So if you could just work <laughs> with that. So I was like, okay, well we need kitchen and bathroom like there. And I knew I wanted two bedrooms to be able to host families. Yeah. Um, and then it's not that big of a space. So it was like, okay, you know, we need this, this, and this, and this is just how the layout has to work. Yeah. What we, what we were noticing too, um, in, yeah, even though it is a, a small space, the way that you guys laid it out was, was fantastic. And there, mm. that you feel like there are like multiple places to congregate. That's, that's always one of the things that like we look for in, in spaces is like, okay, you can, you can sit up at like, you know, the, the, the Island, like the mm. little kitchen, uh, Island and at, you can sit in the bar stools. You could do some work from there. You could go, you know, hang out on the couch and then you've got the dining nook and it's all, it's very open, but there are again, discrete places to kind of like set up, mm-hmm. um, which is I think very hard to do in a small space without it feeling like cramped Cramps. and you guys nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it was it, very, very impressive. Um, I do want to ask about the, uh, what, what I have dubbed this like reading nook, um, mm-hmm. in sort of like the main living space. And it's, mm-hmm. it like hugs the massive window that overlooks the the mountains. Um, and it's, it's one of my favorite, it was like the first thing that I noticed and one of my favorite features of the home. So what inspired you to include the nook in the space? Mm-hmm. I think I always wanted a bay window in my house to be able to sit and read there and <laughs> well, we don't have that. So I thought, well, perfect place to to create it. And Daniel and his dad and also our brother-in-law, Justin, they, they did, they did all the finishing touches up there. So Daniel really, you know, where, what do you want? I said, okay, can you put up some more shiplap over there? You know, so, um, he really built it all for, for us. So that was, that was really wonderful. And then in terms of like the, like design style. So you, Mm -hmm. you mentioned like boho farmhouse chic. (laughs) Um, and I, think I kind of know what all that means. And I, <laughs> from, from my understanding of what that means, you guys nailed it. Um, but how did you like, how did you learn how to design the space? Like, I, you know, it, it's clear, it's clear to us anyways, that there was a lot of intentionality about like, again, what plants to include, like mm-hmm. what, what furniture to include. And you know, that's, that's not something that everybody can just do. So like, mm-hmm. where did you like sort, you said Pinterest, but like, mm-hmm. where else did you like source inspiration from? Had you designed things previously? No. Um, and we just kind of used what we had, like, um, the dresser in the master bedroom was from his family. The dining table is actually the one he made me for our wedding gift. Um, and we had just outgrown it, um, as a family of seven now. So we were like, okay, let's refinish the top and stick that up there. And, um, the futon was a gift from a neighbor. So we just like, we had all these things that I had saved thinking like maybe someday we'll have a space to use these things. And so 
they kind of just all came together upstairs. When you guys, oh, go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, I was going to say one thing about where this came from, yeah. from Fawn, but I think, again, I was a skeptic for a lot of the process, and Fawn's like, I want this fishnet, fish cage light hanging from the ceiling. I was like, what? <laughs> this is, that's absurd. Yeah. But I'll do it. He's like, don't do that But one. I think in, the, in a cool, like my hobby has um, kind of taken uh, on a life of its own and is now our profession, which is so cool. But in the same way of this process has um, really sh- demonstrated Fawn's um, really talent in yeah. decorating space. Like it's a real gift. Um, I don't think you can't draw. Nothing was on paper. <laughs> Nothing was on paper when Fawn decorated the space. It was like, I need this here, this here, that there, move that. And then you step back and it's, perfect wow yeah. and uh so i think this the air a cool part of the story is fawn's um yeah this gift really showed itself and came to life and now people are asking hey if i do an airbnb how should i decorate it because they've seen the space and uh i think i can't draw yeah i yeah. really can't draw so daniel <laughs> like, like just how draw i want it, it. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. That that does that's not been work. a that's been a really cool part that's mm. been thanks uh, yeah surprising in a good way mm. to both of us i think yeah. So I, I have to ask you, we, we met your beautiful children, um, yesterday and, you know, everyone was, uh, running around on the farm. Um, Tirza, your oldest was walking your horse, which, what was the name of the horse again? Ember. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and it, you know, your, your children just seemed like a, a significant part of like this whole family operation. Um, what, what is it like to like live with your family while doing your, you know, the bread barn and also the Airbnb? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I imagine there are a lot of like pros, but I also imagine like, you know, you, you can, anyone can book that space. Right. And like, what, what's it like if there's, there are strangers, right. That Mm -hmm. are, that are living up in that Airbnb on your property. Like, I guess, how have your children responded to everything that your family's doing? Mm Mm-hmm. I would say one aspect of having the Airbnb, which has been beautiful and wonderful, is just um, we've had so many different cultures yeah. come through, and we don't have that here in Rafine. So just the diversity and um, having children practice hospitality to everyone yeah. has just been so awesome. And um, having you know kids stay up here, like we don't really live close to people with kids, so they don't have like they can't just go run play at the neighbor's house, yeah. you know. So yeah. like being able to go play with friends out on the trampoline while they stay here has been a real gift to them and, and to us as well. Um, and they're really a, a huge part of our business. Tirza helps me clean the Airbnb. Sometimes she's behind the counter, um, serving coffees with me on bread day. And actually she like works for us all day Friday too, helping us make bread. Um, so it's been, it's been really wonderful having the children be involved in it, which was really our hope. Mm-hmm to have the whole family involved. Yeah, what's what's really neat about what you guys are doing too is like, you know, growing up in a space where you're, you know, homeschooled, you live on this really cool farm, you get to, you know, understand like what it's like to run a business and run multiple mm-hmm. businesses, right? Like mm-hmm. from like that that's not an experience that a lot of kids get to at least see up close and personal. Um, do you guys ever think about like writing a book or helping <laughs> other families figure out how to do stuff like this? I haven't. I not yet. I feel like we're still learning so much. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and being humbled by things every day that that hasn't occurred to us. I think we need some more <laughs> some more book fodder before that would happen. But I think we're just we're still very much learning. Mm-hmm. One step at a time. One step at yeah. a time. <laughs> Go, going back to the space um, real fast. The, uh, you know, the master bedroom is, is very, very well decorated and beautiful and cozy. I love like the greenery in there. Um, but we, we noticed sort of the, the teepee in the other, the Mm -hmm. second bedroom and then like the custom like loft and like bunk bed kind of, uh, shindig going on there. So (laughs) why did you guys decide to include the teepee? Did Mm -hmm. you make those, the loft bed from scratch too, or what's the story behind that, that second bedroom? Sure. Um, well, so the teepee was handmade by my mother-in-law, Marlene. Um, uh, she actually made it for Thaddeus, our second born, um, for his second birthday. And we no longer used it. We didn't really have space in our house because it's a little bit smaller. And so I thought, well, that'll be just perfect in the Airbnb, you know, with lights yeah, and just yeah. make it a really cozy space for the children. I'm just wanting to feel like children are welcome here too. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, a white space where children aren't welcome, but even though it is white very white yeah, yeah. <laughs> children are still welcome here um and then the bunk beds actually our brother-in-law justin built those for us they are custom built and it's using we used to have a an old barn bank barn right up the hill okay. and we had to sadly take it down because it was falling down and we, um we just couldn't you know the cost of yeah keeping it up yeah. keeping it up was um far too grand so anyways so we we uh, had it removed, but we kept some of the wood and we used a lot of the barn wood upstairs for the bunk beds and then that like sliding barn door, yeah, um, yeah. the island. So there's there's bits and pieces of the old barn wood, which is really special to include up there. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Yeah, and I love I love the barn door um, that slides between the refrigerator and, mm-hmm. the, and the washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool piece. Um, so uh, another couple questions are around just sort of like what you guys are trying to do and, and, and build here, like as, as a family, like, you know, it, it, it'd be one thing to kind of be very removed from sort of like the guest experience and like, you know, have the kids make sure that they're, you know, staying in, you know, your, uh, your property as opposed to like, like, you know, what couple of your kids came up and just said, Hey, like, right. You know, mm-hmm. they greeted me from, from the get go, which was super special. Um, so like, how, how are you guys, th- like, how do you, how do you talk with them about like what you're trying to do with the Airbnb? Like, do they ever ask, you know, why are there so many people that come in and out or, or mm-hmm. how, I guess, how do they feel about, um, sharing the space, uh, with, with others? They've taken to it so well and it is the normal for them. Yeah. So they, few of them have known anything different mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't feel restrictive. I mean, if you were looking right out at our house, it's maybe 25 yards away. It's pretty close. Mm-hmm. But there's very few times when we have to curtail what the children are doing because there's guests here. You yeah, know? yeah. Fortunately, the insulation is pretty good upstairs. And the, the only major no's are we're not going to discharge a firearm, you know, while the Airbnb gets <laughs> yeah. And so after a little bit of disappointment from the... Um, kids they're they're fine with it but i think they they've enjoyed the the interactions they really have i think it's novel it's yeah. still novel to them and they're awful curious about every car that pulls in you know <laughs> who's gonna get out they made some great friends mm-hmm. so it doesn't it doesn't feel like a burden to them i don't Mm-mm. i wouldn't say yeah um it's it's part of life and they know that it's critical to our 
to dad staying home and not being yeah. in the army anymore. You know, this is, this is how we're doing life. Yeah. And we so, love it. Yeah. and, and, you know, one of the things you, you all talked about early on that I just want to circle back to quickly is that this, what you're trying to do here ultimately is, is not just bake delicious bread that you can sell not just rent out this really cool chic space on Airbnb, but also sort of like cultivate community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I'm curious, like when people, you know, come and they, they stop here, like and they pick up their their bread and they hang out on a bread day and they're sit, they're meeting friends by the fire pit like are you know what do people think like what kind of feedback have you received like is this is this weird like are people like do other people do what you guys are doing cuz this this is the first time i've you know experienced something like this so so up close and personal and uh, it seems rather novel so like what is the community's response to everything that you guys have been doing How, what has that been we've had exponential growth recently and especially during covid the pandemic has really propelled us so that's kind of a litmus of kind of how we're doing in the sense of i think people are drawn to this space where um, yeah there's there's friendly interactions yeah. it's there's no agenda other than meeting and being and seeing other people. Um, but I, th- we've gotten great feedback and the growth seems to indicate that, um, this is a place that people enjoy and are drawn to. And, but to be frank, some t- we ask ourselves the same question, like mm-hmm. not in a self deprecating way, but just like, man, do people really want to spend Do their Saturday? Do people really want to come here? here? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> what a line. I wouldn't stand that line for coffee. Uh, that it occurs to us too. So um, we have sometimes have a hard time putting our finger on just what that it factor is. That yeah. Keeps people coming and keeps keeps the same people coming and keeps you know new people coming and driving mm-hmm. two or three hours to come here um, now. So that's my best answer to the question, but also to say we are all, or you were asking this ourselves yeah. the same thing as well. I think sometimes we tend to look around and just see like the imperfections, like there's so many weeds, there's, it's not <laughs> as pretty as it could be because we don't have, you know, time to do everything. But anyways, just thinking like, just seeing the imperfections in yeah. it and maybe a little self-conscious of like people are driving here to spend their time here. Like this is the backdrop of their gatherings and just like, is it, you know, beautiful enough for them? So I think, um, yeah, just like Daniel said, the, we're asking ourselves the same question. Like yeah. are people get, still going to keep coming? But people have commented that that's just what. Maybe the they like that. It's like, like homey and yeah. No, we're it, not it, trying cozy. to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. It does look pretty perfect. It's beautiful. So, well, thank <laughs> um, you. but and, you know, what's really cool about what you guys are doing too is uh, with with the farmers markets where you open up your space and let other people come mm-hmm. and you know sell their goods. Like that's you know just a testament, I think, to your all's generosity and and again the the greater uh, thing that you're trying to do here, which is really sort of cultivate this space mm-hmm. where everyone's welcome. You know, everyone can come and you know, sell their trinkets uh, or, mm-hmm. or sell their goods. And it really does sort of like harken back to, you know, 
community gardens well you know uh way back when i'm sure people still do that now but like haven't seen one of those in the in the city at least in a while Mm -hmm. but it's really neat uh that you guys are not just you're not just building a great space for people to come and ooh and awe at the bread barn you're you're really building a space where other people can help grow their own businesses Mm -hmm. uh and that's Mm -hmm. that's special Mm -hmm. yeah thank you i think too part of it was um like people, we had customers, you know, who've been with us when we were selling from the garage and then in our house and then they watched us and they saw us be, build this bread barn and were a part of that process too. So like upon the completion of it, it was such like a celebration and, um, you know, like they, they, the customers were such a part of a vested interest. Yes. Yeah, such yeah. a part of it too. And we do feel like we've been a year in business, but we're constantly seeing like things that could be made better or like, um, you know, building other spaces like the porch we added on, we just added the fire pits, just seeing what need there is in gathering spaces, um, and trying to make it even more efficient, not efficient, but just like, what am I trying to say? A better flow. Yeah. 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 No, that's, and, 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 you know, it's really cool to just, again, see these other places, the spaces pop up and, um, yeah, I was wondering how new the fire pits were because it looks it looks so nice. <laughs> it looks like you know they haven't been touched. Um, um, well, I have just a couple final questions for you. One is just around like you know what's what's next. You guys seem like idea people. That you seem like you're constantly noodling on like, all right, do let's should we add a porch here? Should we add a fire pit there? Should we build another Airbnb there? Right. <laughs> so like when you guys think about the next year or two for the farm for your uh, your businesses that you're that you're building here, like what's in store? Like what, what can we expect or, or, you know, be on the lookout for? I have three big things. Oh my. (laughs) The first one, we just recently purchased a handcrafted stone mill from Vermont. And the next step that I'd like the bakery to take is to source all our grain from our region and to mill it here on site. So um, we just picked up our first grain from a farm, a local farmer, and a buddy's growing some wheat for us this year. But um, within the next year or two, I expect that um, all of our flour will come from. We'll be growing in our in the Mid Atlantic region, and then we'll mill it here on wow. site. That would be the first. And then the second one, we would really like to start um, shipping our product, both pastries and breads, frozen. Yeah. Um, so we have some cool ideas that we want and are looking for some guinea pig customers to help us out with. But we'd like to grow our business um, in that means. And we've always had this idea of local community that we're trying to nourish and realizing that, hey, some people can't drive three hours yeah. to bread day, but we can bring a little piece of bread day to your doorstep, you know, is what we would like to do. Um, and then as far as the aesthetic of the place, we're going to put in a pond Ooh. and have a little swimming hole and stock Wait, it like with trout. Wait, like are people going to swim on Red Day? Yeah. Red <laughs> Cat, bring your swimsuit. Bring your swimsuit to Red Day. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, do you have yeah. anything else to add to that pond? I mean, that, that sounds like a lot. Like, those are... Yeah. The, well, that sounds that, great. Those will happen within two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, well, this has been uh, a blast. I really appreciate you all taking time to share your story and, you know, share this experience with us. It's a significant privilege. Um, mm. Last last question is for folks who are listening that, you know, do want to learn a little bit more about you guys and understand, maybe even come to a bread day uh, themselves if they can. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you all, to, to follow you, any sort of like preferred channel or medium? Uh, we do Instagram. That's really the only channel that we, we have. And, um, the website, they can put orders through the website, all of our, well, our next bread days are listed on there. And then also through Airbnb, they can come and stay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you both very much for what you're building. It's you. special. Uh, I hope you take pride in it every day. Cause mm. you know, I, I, I would imagine to you kind of, you know, day in and day out, it gets a little, at times maybe mundane or you kind of question, what are we doing? Should we just go back to having like normal jobs where we get to come home and not have to think about anything else? Um, but for, for what it's worth, this is a, a little special piece of heaven. Um, so take pride in what you've built and I'm excited to see it grow. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us and for coming. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.